Panel three is a panel that I have been looking forward to ever since uh, it was suggested. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit, I suppose, selfish on my behalf because this is right in the middle of my research area. But I am really thrilled uh, that we've been able to get the magnificent uh, people you have before you today on this panel. Justin Brow is the convener and he is director of consultancy company 60 Socks. He creates and delivers programs to Australian businesses and individuals to drive growth in the creative digital economy. Focusing on Australia's creative and digital media industries, Justin currently leads a number of collaborative programs between government, private enterprise, education, training institutions and research organisations to facilitate business transformation and creative innovation. Please welcome Justin Brow and his panel. Hello. Hi guys. Um, thank you for joining us today and we're very pleased to be here as well. Um, so the topic of our chat here for the next 40 minutes or so um, is intersect experiential, and that sort of comes from the um, area where going to a live performance is inherently ex an experiential experience, <laughs> experiential thingy. Um, and so if you're going to a really good theatre or really good opera, really good live performance and you get that thing where your hairs at the back of your neck stand up and you feel it, you know, and you're sitting right next to someone and it's all, you know, that, that engagement quality is there. Um, and interestingly, like really good um, interactive media is an experiential thingy as well. You know, so it's where these two intersect, which is, which is sort of stems the conversation of our, t of our chat today. Um, when, we w when I was asked to tender a, a topic um, about this, you know, engagement of youth into the arts. Um, the, you know, the, the obvious, the obvious thing is um, digital technologies, which has been touched on today already, and will be con um, just touched on later on in this afternoon. Um, is engagement within that space? I mean, that's where the the youth is. But that, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, what is engagement? What is youth? You know, so whether whether definitions lay is, is pretty broad. So, and, and another thing which is of great interest to me too is how we can engage with regional areas, which is another thing which has already been touched on this morning, but I think it's a massive thing for us to consider because, you know, a third of the population of Australia lives outside the, uh, outside the regional area, outside the cities anyway. So it's, and, 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 and this new area where we're getting the, if the NBN happens, um, engaging with that other third of the, of, of the country and then what that means for this cross interplay of, 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 of taking, you know, urban stories out, but also taking regional stories back into urban areas I think it's very interesting. So to join me today um, I'm not going to go through and introduce each of these guys they're going to do it themselves. Uh, what I'd like to do is engage with you guys as well we don't want to just sit here and talk um, I think it's a really good opportunity to for us to have a discourse you know because we're all you're all learned folk you know so so let's you know sort of get information what we're trying to Weave, uh, like weave, weave out of this is um, some interesting topics which could lead to further research projects um, into the future. You know, I guess just to quickly start off um, to get a feel for us so that we can, you know, can hit the right tone with you guys, it'd be probably a good idea to get a feel for where you're in the industry. So let's say, hands up who's a researcher? Yeah, okay, that's a good 25% for sure. Um, and hands up who's uh, in, works with youth in the arts? The other 75%, okay. <laughs> All right, and I'm sure there's a big crossover amongst that. So, look, 
it's enough for me. Um, it's a great privilege to introduce Tanya Chambers. Thank you. Just tell you a little bit about myself and let me know if the microphone's working. It's a bit in our face, so it's a bit of a funny mm. experience having mm. this one here. Um, what do you call yourself on your business card again? Oh, a dick. <laughs> Australian Digital Industries Catalyst. Catalyst. I love the name Catalyst. And I remember that there was a, um, a person who got a job in... Uh, at SciTech in WA, and his title was Director of Excitement, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. And when he got the job, he, they said to him, so what are we going to call you? And he said, what do you mean? And they said, well, what are we going to call you? He said, I got this job as Director of Excitement. You are not changing that title. I, I kind of call myself the big knob. <laughs> I'm currently the Chief Executive at Screen New South Wales, which is the funding agency for this state. And I had the pleasure before that for six and a half years of being the Chief Exec in Western Australia. I'm about to go back there. was born in Melbourne. I'm a lawyer by training, but my love was French and German literature and the arts, and I always thought that law would be my trade. So I spent years, grew up in Melbourne, moved to Sydney, went to Perth for work and came back again. And so I call myself an urban dispossessed white fella because <laughs> I'm trying to work out <laughs> where's home now, really. But I have a great passion for... Um, for being able to connect with audiences, I suppose. And um, having been somebody who loves the arts, I was a, a, a chair of Perth Theatre Company and sort of crossed over a number of different areas of the arts. So I'm really looking forward to the way that we can talk about how we engage with youth, how we can actually effectively both um, in our practice and in our research, find ways to ensure that people's lives are changed by what it is we do in this wonderful experience when the magic of someone's imagination um, <coughs> jumps from one person's brain to another. So I'm looking forward to having this discussion. And Sam, just before you go on, start thinking about questions now, not at the end of the talk. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, my name's Sam, Thank you. Uh, that was Tanya. Um, I work for the ABC. I've worked there for about 10 years. Um, I head up a small group called Strategic Development, and we are in the fortunate position to look into what we think is coming around the corner. Um, and we were, uh, we were started up about four years ago, four or five years ago, and sort of sat around a table and what were the projects that had to be out of the door. Um, and the sort of one I came to the table with eventually became iView. Uh, and when you, luckily, when you do something like that, which seems pretty obvious um, as a service to the um, Australian public, you get to kind of do a few things that you want to do. And so we've, we've been able to experiment with projects like um, Gallipoli um, uh, and the Bluebird project, and projects that engage directly with youth audiences. So I feel like I have some sense of that. Um, I'm very interested to answer questions. Um, I've, got, I've got opinions, but they'll probably be bled out by questions and answers and discourses, as you say, Justin. Um, academically, um, I've sort of, I've only gone to sort of, um, uh, I'm only like a postgraduate. I haven't done a master's or a PhD. I just haven't really had time. I think that's the problem. I would love to do some research at some point. I think it would be fantastic. Um, but my background's in film in London at the London Institute, where um, I, I had to sort of pay my way through that. So I worked as a commercial artist and went, went straight into digital, basically. Um, didn't, didn't think, um, I thought I was gonna be a cameraman, but, um, and I did photography for a long time, but basically I went straight into digital and I've been in there ever since. So I've probably got about 20 years experience as a commercial artist and designer and creative director and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to have this discourse. Um, Justin Rao, just capping up on what Sam has said. I think what's interesting about Sam's role is that he's, um, 
he, he, he creates art with his work because working for the ABC of course it's um, it's not inherently a commercial output right so it doesn't matter if it makes money and I think because they like him so much they, they give him a lot of leverage to be actually create art using digital technologies which is what he's fabulous at if you haven't, you haven't seen the, the, um, the Gallipoli stuff or the Bluebird stuff then check it out through ABC because it's just extraordinary would you win an AFI award for Gallipoli yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Ooh. right, and over to Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my name is Scott Howie. I'm a regional arts development officer for Eastern Riverina Arts, based in Wagga. It's one of 14 regional arts boards across New South Wales, um, and I look after 10 local government areas, and I'm charged with uh, the job of creating vibrant and creative communities, uh, working in partnership with arts organisations, local councils, artists and community groups. One of the things that predominantly we do um, to keep our councils happy is we try and engage young people in arts activities. Mm. Um, I'm really interested in, in being a regional voice at this symposium, particularly with the notion of digital technology where there is such, at this moment, a digital divide um, I live 12k out of the largest inland New South Wales city from the CBD and I can't get um, ADSL 2 so I can't even watch iView um, at home um, and I think that's important when we start discussing this thing and I think even with the rollout of the NBN um, there's going to be an interesting divide there still particularly in terms of upload speed and I want to bring that certainly oh, yeah. to the, to the fore uh, thank you uh, I'm Elliot Bledsoe. I am currently the digital content guy at the Australia Council for the Arts. Um, previous to that, I spent eight years with Creative Commons Australia, uh, working on uh, open copyright licensing strategies and ways of approaching copyright in a digital technology responsive approach. Um, so I've done lots of stuff around this space. Generally, I sort of refer to myself as digital shit stirrer, but now that I work for Council, I have to be digital strategist. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not a ticket, council. Um, but basically, I've come to council to take the skills and experience that I have working with different types of digital platforms uh, and digital different approaches to working with different kinds of communities to investigate how we can use some of these platforms to build stronger, more loyal, uh, and ongoing relationships with audiences around well, content that's funded by council initially. Ideally, I'd like it to be the entire sector, but, you know, small steps. Um, but, I mean, really what I'm, what I'm interested in, what I spent a long time doing, is sort of looking at how organisations can respond appropriately in this kind of environment to the kind of usual web to, you know, buzz things like hashtags and geolocated content and rich media applications and HTML5 and what all of this means and how you can actually utilise it in ways that are appropriate to the audiences that you're working with uh, and in the kinds of activities and practices that are appropriate to the people that you're trying to get it to. Um, basically, in short, don't piss everyone off on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much where I come from. So do you think, what, what is it with um, these large cultural institutions and, and the leading sort of arts bodies at the moment um, and, and their, you know, how would you describe, you know, you're, you're new to OZCO, so without putting you too much in a corner, um, how have you felt, how, how have you identified their involvement in creative media, in, in digital technologies to engage with their audience? Look, I think at the current moment... Sorry, can people just 
say their oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's sorry. fine. No, sure. So that was Justin who asked the question. Um, this is Elliot from the Australia Council again. Um, so far, my experience of sort of looking at the, the sector, both funded and non-funded, it's a very ad hoc approach. Um, multiple organisations are using different types of platforms. Some of them are using them really well. Some of them are using re them really terribly. Uh, but really, there is no sort of overarching... I guess methodology or ideology as to why organisations are using these platforms. It's just a little bit like, oh, whoa, you know, Queensland Ballet's on Twitter. We'd better have a Twitter as well. Uh, when none of them really actually know what it means to be on Twitter, they just have Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a significant problem that there are a number of organisations that have failed to understand the way that community has developed and continues to develop within these platforms. That these are as significantly different as talking about, you know, audiences in Western Sydney compared to audiences in Alice Springs. Like that that regardless of the fact that they're a digital platform doesn't mean that they don't have different sorts of cultural practices and different kinds of engagement approaches that occur within those platforms. Mm. Is there any questions at this stage that you want to put to this learned panel? Okay. Um, have a think. Keep going. <laughs> Sam question for yourself how do you reckon that um like if we're th thinking about live performance oh actually we don't need to if you think about arts which is you know very very broad of course um how is, you know where what do you think are some of the opportunities what some of the over horizon sort of areas that sort of digital technologies with you can help with youth engagement in the arts um okay well um sam yeah um, I actually sat in the front just drawing a matrix when I was waiting for the other talk to finish and when I got here. And I was thinking, um, it's, that's a very broad question and you probably want very specific answers. Um, the, f the, first, the first thing is that, and we're talking about youth, so we're talking about um, a very volatile and disparate group as well. Mm. So yeah, complex setup basically. But um, um, I, I drew these sort of points thinking about, well, all these things come into it and maybe we can sort of elaborate them and we, yeah. we'll all have quite strong opinions about them as well. Tops. Um, so the first thing is, um, and this is, this is sort of me dragging myself back to my youth, and I come from, a f my parents are both designers, graphic designers, and um, they would drag me to a, um, a gallery every week and I hated it for mm. a long time and now I adore it and I just, you know, had... I had a very um, uh, fabulous experience at the Gallery of New South Wales last night looking at the Picasso, which is a particularly strong exhibition. And it reminded me of what it's like to be in the presence of a really well curated um, exhibition of a really great artist mm. and how, transposing, how transporting that is and how conscious, consciousness changing that is. And one should never ever forget that the prima facie experience is fundamental um, and with all of this talk of digital and the ex sort of uh, naive excitement around it, mm. there's no question that we should still be trying to get people in front of the content. Mm. Because in a way, this, this might sound a bit wishy-washy, but I think it's quite true that um, you, when you're going through your youth, you're struggling with those great answers that the artists are in their mad way trying to answer. Mm. And there's no question that sitting in front of a Picasso, you can get a lot out of it. Whatever state of literacy you're at in terms of art, in terms of appreciation, in terms of consciousness, doesn't really matter. Mm. You can um, experience a 
a, a profound experience there. So I'm very into um, the idea of people turning up to opera, turning up to theater, turning up to art exhibitions um, and installations. And, and, and I don't know how broad our definition of the fine arts are here, mm, but mm. I would like to include screen. I think people like, uh, Samson and Delilah was just the most extraordinary artful experience for me, but as is Bill Viola's work, um, as is a number of other installations that involve screens and digital media, um, next to you know very great paintings and sculptures, so I'm quite inclusive. Mm. At the same time, uh, screen art um, is young and you know it's youthful in comparison. It's just another form of media. Um, I mean, one of the one of the brash decisions behind Bluebird was to say, well, what if you were to tell an involving story without the use of the old media? You know, without the use of television, without the use of radio, can online do it on its own? Mm. Um, and that's a sort of bold question, and we kind of fell back on radio a bit, but we really consciously stayed away from the obvious um, screen of television mm. um, in, in trying to tell a very deep story. Um, and I think that needs to be done more. That, that needs to be done a lot more, because I think, I think we need to understand the boundaries of what is this sort of pure online digital form and what, what is the art in it, and mm -hmm. I think that's, that's not very well understood yet. Um, I would also say that, so that's one tension there, the prima facie experience, which I, don't, I just don't think you can get rid of that. Um, I think we should be driving people to the experience. Mm. Um, the other thing is that um, with, with digital, with Twitter, with tablets, with it, it's just a habitual thing. I, I find it in myself, but I, I've got children of my own and I see it in kids all the time. It just becomes... Um, an extension of their consciousness, an extension of their body. It's almost like a phantom limb, and they have to have it around, and they have to be checking it all the time. They, we have to be checking it all the time, and it's just this sort of, it's this um, habitual thing, and that, that worries me a bit because it, it dovetails very sweetly into a very short attention span. But what I also notice in, um, in the sort of, in the sort of, um, uh, in the movement through youth is that you have periods of time where you know, you, you, you'll know yourselves, there's this sort of obsessive and intense experience of youth. And then there's wanting to break out of it, which doesn't last very long. It comes in sort of small bursts, but it's like you want to pluck someone at that point and say, have a look at something completely different. Mm. And that, I think that could be a really interesting area of research is like, how can you create these sort of bubbles out of the sort of continuum and mass media, if you like, of of youth mm. um, into something that's totally different, totally transporting. Mm. Well, I think um, Justin Brow commenting again, uh, Lenane brought up a um, good point before, which you probably guys all know about anyway, but um, to me it was a bit new. That concept of um, you know, getting the youth to sit down and be quiet for an hour and a half. You know, it doesn't happen. I've got kids of my own. You know, it's like um, so. That's I a really get my husband to do it. To <laughs> <the kids. laughs> Shh, yeah, listen. Um, so that's a really interesting thing. So it's uh, and, that, and that just um, paves the way for what are these new art forms that can, you know, where, where that can be a meshing of this digital technologies with live performance. Um, that well, that interplay. Uh, Sam again. So there are experiences, obviously, in the digital world that are very conducive to that. Um, uh, a lot of it's found in gameplay, for instance. You know, the the idea that um, someone can sort of become intensely involved. Um, in an experience with headphones and a screen or whatever it is, that, that, that can happen at any age, but it can particularly happen then. And um, so I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, 
the other, the other, one of the other points in this matrix is that digital, um, as we've said, is a sort of youthful art, but it's also, uh, and this is, this is again quite a big concept, um, it is also an amazing way of augmenting existing art and that has to be done much better um, and we were just talking I think we were just referring to that mm. Elliot was just saying exactly that um, a few minutes ago it, augmenting that art and producing understanding you know that's it that's in its very infancy still some people mm. doing it quite well others not doing it so well and mm. um, you know the the audio tours and things like that are a great start but it just think it's got so much further to go and it's mm. got so much further than just the location of that art to go as well right so um, Justin here on that, it's like the idea of walking into Picasso exhibition, being handled and handed an iPad that you just then go and put over that and all the information comes up about that and, you know, interviews and headphone. Yeah, I mean, that, that I actually personally wouldn't do that, but I would love the fact that that service is there. What I actually liked, loved about that um, gallery experience last night was that it was incredibly... Um, uncurated in the sense that you weren't being led. Mm. I was in Brisbane recently on holiday and I... Um, I went to their new arts, like, almost like the South Bank in London, but so much better. It's fantastic. And um, I saw uh, the Cartier-Bresson exhibition there, which is just brilliant. And again, curated by him before he died. So it's really a real treat. But one of the beautiful things they did there um, was that they had these explanations for kids. I don't know if you've seen that in any other exhibitions. It's fantastic. And Reading those was so much better than reading the grown-up one. Um, it was just beautifully explained. The English was really well-crafted. It was really nicely done. And it's like, well, if you have to strip out all the... It wasn't like they were stripping out the high concepts either. It was really a beautiful little story. And I was very impressed with that. Um, I love exhibitions where you have the choice to pick up the iPad. You don't, mm. It's not shoved at you. And you're not sort of... You're not sheep-penned around. That's, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to throw you, Scott. Yeah, I'd like to, to okay. sort of extend what you're saying. I think, um, I'll give an example. Uh, there's a small town called Tamora, about 90 minutes away from Wagga. They get one of the English operas sort of delivered digitally to their small 80-seat cinema every month, and it sells out, wow. which is interesting. But in another small village called Marunda, um, every two years they hold a workshop for young people over three days and Richard Gill comes up from uh, Victoria Opera and at the end of three days those children perform an opera live in a purpose-built pig shed. Mm. Um, <laughs> which is going to be more effective in terms of engaging a lifelong passion in opera for young people. And my argument is, is that it's that active participation and I'm really interested then in not only how digital technology can augment or add to the experience of attending something or seeing something, but how are we going to use it to actually create opportunities for young people to actively participate in arts and mm. creative making? Because that's a really big thing out in, in regional areas. Um, it's all very well to ship the content down, but I think if we can't engage young people first as makers who get interested in art forms, then I think we're going to have a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, Sam here again. I'll just I'll finish my little point thing with just saying that I think um, <coughs> digital media needs to sort of be incorporated in the arts as a sort of as a recognised form of art mm -hmm. uh, along you know uh, uh, alongside the much more established forms of art that we all all recognise mm -hmm. and sort of told to recognise. So 
I think I think partly because otherwise you're going to have this huge rift. You're just going to have you're just going to have a ravine that's already opening up, mm. obviously, and will just get broader and broader and broader because um, the the screen is the primary. Mm. It's no longer the pen and paper, unfortunately. It's the screen and everything so, that came from the pen and paper. Um, um, it's sort of, you know, almost old school, um, or beginning to be old school. It's tenure here. Um, I went to a um, consultation session a few weeks ago about the curriculum and looking at arts and the curriculum. And for the entire evening, there was only one reference at all that had anything to do with screen at all. And it was sort of the digital, um, digital media was discussed in a half sentence. It was a screen art, screen media. And, and I thought, what a, what a shame that we still seem to have. And I, unfortunately, I think it, to some extent, it's still perpetuated by the nature of the organisations here, so that we have the Australia Council, we have Screen Australia as two separate organisations and so on. And I think we tend to think of the arts and think of performing arts, visual arts, you know, and go through the list of music and others. But even the list that I saw for this event didn't actually have screen, film, television, other forms of um, screen practice and arts, either as arts themselves or separately as actually being a vehicle or a, a, a way of engaging with the other forms of the arts. And I think mm. it, there, there's a real madness in doing that because we know that from the age of, you know, whatever now, kids are picking up cameras, kids are shooting things, and it's so fundamentally their form of expression. It can be a great tool, as you say, to actually capture, be involved in, document and or enjoy and explore other forms of the arts, but also in itself as an art form. So. Mm. Just, this is Elliot here. Just to add to that, I think it's important to also recognise that a lot of these distinctions that the sector places on how art, you know, art practice occurs and how exhibition of that content occurs fails to understand the fact that for audiences coming through now where screen is an extension of their body, they don't see distinctions like that. They see content. It doesn't matter whether it's video, it doesn't matter whether it's dance, it doesn't matter if it's performance, it doesn't matter if it's text, it doesn't matter if it's a completely interactive HTML5 immersive experience, it's all just content. Mm. Uh, and we have a, a sort of governmental funding structure that still is very focused on sectors, uh, even as those distinctions blur increasingly across the board. Mm. Um, please do, Ricky Jane, one of our hosts. Hello, I'm Ricky Jane. I'm, I'm really interested in that point and wonder if it's the f one of the first kind of major things that we've touched on, which is the generational shift where, in fact, it's our lack of skills as, as an older generation who, which and I'm not looking at you, Elliot, because you're really young. He is young, um, isn't he? <laughs> but the, and I am old. When it comes to digital content, I'm very old. That, that in fact, we aren't keeping up with the conversation and the, the lack of skills that we have that are not inherent because we didn't you know, grow up with them um, means that we, we, in a way, are fearful and are keeping these distinctions as a way of protecting ourselves from what we just don't know. Um, I don't know if anyone has an answer to that or whether it's, if time will tell. Um, so, Elliot, speaking again, look, I mean, I don't necessarily have so much of an answer. Um, I can't help it. I come from a postmodern education. Um, but, <laughs> but I think part of that process is even just 
um, identifying the fact that there is an automatic assumption that if I'm looking at my tablet screen that I'm not listening to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is, I think, one of the most crucial problems because um, while sometimes I may be looking at Facebook because what you're saying is boring as shit, sometimes I'm, I'm looking up the town that was just mentioned on Google Maps, which I did about 30 seconds ago. Sometimes I'm looking at a Wikipedia article about something or I'm identifying other conceptual links about that information and actually learning and experiencing in ways that are not prescribed necessarily uh, in the sort of way that we think about content and particularly art practice. We don't tend to think about art practice as embedded in a broader learning experience. It's sort of um, concept, production, <coughs> presentation, um, go away and be awesome because you've seen that. Uh, and I think that that's a significant difference is that, you know, just because somebody is looking at a screen uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not listening or engaging with the content around them and that we need to think more laterally about how we utilise that experience. Um, like I said, that doesn't necessarily answer your question, but I think it's an important problem because if we can better understand that, we can start to um, create artistic content that's responsive to how that audience of people are using it and, and I don't even associate it as an age thing. Uh, I remember seeing a woman on a plane when I was coming back from Brisbane after the great Qantas strike um, who was really agitated and annoyed when she was told to turn her iPad off on the plane and she would have been in her 80s. And I was like, go are you. <laughs> Hell hath no fury. Can I just ask one more question? I'm sorry, I'm hogging this. Sorry, it's Ricky Jane again. Just to Scott then, what happens to the young people who are in places where they may have the iPads and the phones but can't access immediate you know, online information or participate? You know, does, is, it, is it different? Is it... I think, um, I mean, I, that sort of stuff is still being used for their own, Scott speaking, sorry, for their own uh, internal social networks. And one of the things that I'm discovering through trying to do some marketing to young people through Facebook and, and Twitter is that they're actually um, becoming very suspicious of anyone trying to market at them on Facebook. Um, my, my stepson refused to share an event that I wanted to, mm. to promote. Because, because he said, you asked him to. Because I asked him to. It's daggy. Yeah. What if it's crap? Yeah, will you friend me? And, and, and I've, um, I've lost all my cred. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, I, I never right. had any yeah. to start with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was on Facebook first, though, I must say, before my children. Um, uh, and that's, that's really interesting. They're getting really suspicious about that. They're, and I, I don't know what the research plays out, but him and his crowd have all switched to Tumblr. Um, where they're uploading their own things and they've got a very closed loop that they invite in to look at that very personal stuff that they're doing. Mm, mm. Um, so I, I, with regards to, I guess, the, the broadband thing, I don't think... Um, I think they're still operating in, in within the confines of what the restrictions of their Wi-Fi is in that sort of low, low bandwidth realm. Um, just... Oh, there's heaps of questions. Fantastic. OK, yep. This is Gordon here again from Opera Australia. I'm really interested in what Scott's saying about being in regional because we are looking to do more education projects and this stuff around wrapping content and connecting with people. So if you're sitting at home and you can't access iView, um, can you give me a sense of what is currently accessed now? Forget about the MBN that's coming in three years or whenever. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe illuminate it with ex examples of best practice. Um, well, I mean, I can, I mean, I can access iView in my office, like when I'm in town. Um, 
but uh, that's a really best practice for engaging people with low low bandwidth. Wow. Mm. Mm. I, I, yeah, that, you've, you've stymied me there. It's impossible. It's a research well, that, topic. Yeah. yeah, I think it is because, I mean, um, young people in schools have access to faster uh, Wi-Fi uh, and, and internet. Um, they have... So it's only when they're out, out of this sort of space where they don't have that. So I think... Um, I think there's still the scope using through schools and the school network to actually get that stuff through. They slow programs down, Francis again, they slow programs down to 384 KB going in. Like I've been looking at video conferencing activities and even within the school environment, DEET has to, because they've got a lot of people going in through their hubs or bridges or whatever, they slow their stuff down as well. Well, I think they're, I think Scott speaking, I think they're starting to unlock that. Um, I just saw recently Monkey Bar announced they were going to be doing live streaming from the opera house of a, a workshop that I thought was interesting to, to as I thought it was interesting that it was coming from the opera house into schools and why we weren't taking our young people into the local performing arts centres for a tour of a theatre and, and to learn about theatre etiquette that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, but I, I think um, uh, I, I still come down to that what works best for us is face-to-face -face engagement with young people. Actually, slightly old age. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's how we get people in. Yep, yep. Makes sense. Human to human interaction. Mm. Who'd have thought? Um, this is lady here. Thank you. Thank you. My name's Helen Lancaster. I'm the chair of Music Council of Australia, and I want to actually ask Justin a question. Seeing he's the one that's been doing all the asking. If you really are a digital. Uh, Sorry, industry's, industry's catalyst. catalyst. Tell me what you um, And uh, listening to what Sam had to say about uh, the prima facie is still really first and most important. Yeah. How is it that you um, advise organisations to use digital medias and can you give us some best practices? Oh, look, I don't pretend to be an expert in any of this, but what I guess I do work really, really well is identifying experts and help them work well together. So that's where the really interesting stuff can occur. You know, you've got different experts in different areas, um, but then from different cultures, possibly with different language, different perspectives on the world, um, but engaging these individuals in a way that they can have that information transferal and that knowledge exchange and identify an outcome which might not have... But You know, like red is here and blue is here and in the intersect is purple when you put them together. It's like purple wouldn't have existed if it weren't for the other two colours. It's like that sort of um, that exchange. So I guess what that means or what I'm suggesting there is um, you know there's hot interactive media professionals all across Australia like we're really 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 good um, like this man right here for instance um, and there's, there's, there's groups out there that have this great expertise. So it's that opportunity of, 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 of entering into a discourse with this, not just as a hired help, like here's your brief, here's the amount of money I'm going to spend, there we are. It's like let's work together to explore new terrain. So it's a, you know, that's, that would be the, my, my, my answer to that. Tanya, how are you going? <laughs> Good. Um, so, what have you got to say? Say some, say, say some, say some, say some really cool stuff. It's like to, oh, there's questions. Oh, that's helpful. I just, I actually do just want to make a comment. It's a little bit connected to what you're saying because we've been thinking about 
the way in which youth engage and how we can use different forms of technology, it does connect with the arts, but I suppose from a screen point of view. Mm. I've just been talking to a few people about um, the serious game that has been created to help kids with cancer take their medication. And what they've discovered is that, as far as I recall the story, that, of course, if you take your medication, you're likely to to be more successful in being cured with cancer in this situation. And people don't always remember to take the medication, especially kids. And so what they did was they created a first-person shooter game, really, where the kids got to shoot the bad cancer cells, the black baddies, um, and they'd fuel up their you know, weapon or so by taking the tablets to be able to do so. Mm. And as I recall, it was something like the control group of kids who didn't play this game, only 35% of the group took their tablets 100% of the time. And for the kids that did actually play this game, something like 99.5% of the kids took their tablets 100% of the time. Mm. So it's an example, one of these great things. And I was also reading about the, um, I'm trying to think of her surname, Fiona. Fiona, the one over in Western Australia who created the spray on skin. Similarly, was uh, no, the other one. Fiona Wood. Fiona Wood is doing some interesting work and I'm hoping to sort of see if I can get in touch with her when I get back over there. Mm. about visualisation and so on and the power of the mind and the power of the imagination and apparently if you can visualise, I think it was a limb or a a cured limb, if you can um, visualise that then you actually heal yourself a lot quicker. And I'm kind of fascinated in some of the notions of Mm. how we can actually engage, particularly engage the, the, um, the imagination of youth to then be able to do a whole lot of different things. The other area that I'm quite passionate about actually is looking at um, the the ability for people to learn through the arts and to learn um, who don't have English as a first language. Now, a lot of um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with language skills in other languages struggle with literacy in our schools and so on and I'm really keen to see if there's different ways of actually communicating through the screen or through image Mm. um, or telling stories in a different way that might actually help leapfrog some of those really difficult times which people then disconnect with educational traditional learning and all of the all of the richness of that personality that individual and their culture can kind of get diminished from the rest of us and from their lives so really keen to sort of see if people want to do some research in that type of area as well. Mm, cool. Uh, there's a question over here. Okay. Um, I'm Todd Backhouse. I am a theatre media student at Impact in Bathurst and um, we do um, a lot of topics around intermedialism and um, how to incorporate digital media in terms of live performance and mediated stuff like that. I, was, I just wanted to t- yeah. uh, say to Scott, um, there's a really great, you may have heard of him, Wolf Boa. Um, he's a practitioner and stuff. He did a really nice uh, workshop and think tank out at BMAC in Bathurst, which is the Bathurst Memorial uh, Entertainment Centre, and talked about um, projects you can to get involved with schools and regional groups where you, you know how they've got the smart board where they're using schools these days, using things like that um, to get the workshops happening in, in those sort of things and helping with that. Um, have you found any other people who have discussed or looked into those methods? I, mean, I can see that there's, there's going to be a plethora of stuff getting, Scott speaking, sorry, a plethora of stuff getting thrown down um, the pipes. Mm. Um, and, and, and I guess, I mean, for me, it's, the, the, the worry for me is that we are going to get swamped with content in regional Australia. And regardless of what it is, 
and like too much push yeah and 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 so the trick for us is how to get the resources out there to develop the ability and the skills to create yeah um and i think particularly the the thing that we're going to need out there very soon is some really high-end technology to be able to reproduce the site-specific works that outback theater for young people make yeah and how do we get that online and yeah. and how do we how do we get um and, I, and it's going to have to be community hubs because the 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 basis for young people's home connections isn't going to be strong enough mm. so i think there's going to be a high need to look at um what sort of resources can we put out into regional australia to make things happen in terms of of, of other people doing workshops i mean Look, at the moment, um, there are people who are learning how to play, you know, various musical instruments through video conferencing with the, the con here. Right. There's still a bit of time lag going on there, but that's that's a really exciting thing for me, you know, like I, I'd like my son to play tuba when he gets a little bit older and nobody teaches tuba in the Riverina. So the only way that's going to happen is if somebody does it over online mm. and it doesn't even have to be from the con it could be from somebody in Canada what or thinking, whatever who are the best tubists but at the same point he's still going to need a band to play with and at the moment sure. the the national curriculum although it talks about introducing a lot of you know the five streams of art into primary school education um, the lack of teachers out in, in regional Australia oh, is, right. is going to make that very difficult and that's another issue that has to be addressed is arts education which I think has long term implications for everybody here who's interested in engaging mm. young people in the arts after their education period. Mm. Cool, so just you. back to the fact that I bet you the five streams of art don't include screen. We have time for one brief answer to this question. <laughs> Hello, my name's Brad Wilson. This question's probably directed towards Elliot. Um, I, you've had a broad experience in a range of areas and programs. I'm just interested if you'd pick one example which you think has, has been a success and perhaps tactically what were the elements in that that really drove that success? One example. Um, <clears throat> Look, I, I think the important point about this area is that I wouldn't say that anything has done it 100% yet. Um, I think there are some interesting examples doing parts of it really well. So, for example, oh, while it's not an arts organisation, the government Twitter account that I think is the world's leading Twitter account is the ABC census um, for its, its right way of thinking and engaging with highly statistical, factual information, turning that into sets of engaging 140 character tidbits and then responding to its audience when they reply. Mm. Um, if, you, if you look it up and find anything out about it, you'll, you'll see probably the most poignant example of that when somebody asked the Twitter account whether they'd seen a correlation between the number of milkshakes and the number of boys in the yard, um, to which... <laughs> To which the census replied, we'd teach you, but we'd have to charge. Um, so, I mean, that is a really good example of a, a historically un, so not thought about as an inspiring agency, thinking very, very, very strategically about how they use that particular platform. Similarly, um, the New York Ballet has, while some of their other social media platforms are not particularly well utilised, their YouTube account, their YouTube channel is phenomenal. It is one of the best examples of the use of 
uh, rich media and video content I've seen any arts organisation in the world do so far because it's the right blend of uh, sort of upfront, I guess, more media and, and promotional material coupled with the kind of stuff that people go to the internet for, for to find out the stuff that they're not going to get by sitting in front of the stage. They want to know what's going on behind the stage. Mm. Um, so they've done a lot of work developing a really, really solid, very well-developed, very well-produced set of video content that gives people an insight into you know, individual dancers or part of the costume crew. Like They have a fascinating five minute piece on the making of a tutu, which is one of the most <laughs> impressive videos I've ever seen. I had never thought I would become so fascinated in the production process of <laughs> making a tutu. Um, so I think they're just two particularly interesting examples of how people are using certain platforms really well. Um, Although, I mean, that said, interestingly, the areas that seem to be particularly successful at pulling multiple platforms together is actually film. Um, and I think the most impressive example of that was um, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight uh, and its use of over 150 fabricated websites of, you know, the pizza joint in Gotham uh, where you could actually interact with the... <coughs> you know, pizza delivery people and the use of geolocated media and then coupling that with things in the real world that, that associate back to digital products. The entire suite of assets that they use to develop that, um, you know, running different Twitter accounts for different characters, things like that. I mean, another interesting example of that was the, um, the use of Twitter by the characters from the BBC show Misfits. Uh, and the fact that people were, the, the characters' accounts were run by the actual actors playing the roles and responded to people, you know, when they were at replied. So mm -hmm. not just a one-way uh, outward push, but an actual engagement process. So, um, I mean, there are a couple of examples. Okay. Um, there are look. hundreds that I could mention. So. Yeah, yeah, look, don't. <laughs> I'll tweet them, shall I? Um, just, I'd like to close up just by, um, first of all, thanking the, my panel members very sincerely for your time. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, of course, uh, great congratulations to Matthew and the Theatre Space team for uh, the great work they've done, bringing this last few days together. It's extraordinary. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, like, my mind's been opened up. I'm just so far, and we've got a whole afternoon to go. And, of course, Nick from the Australia Council for making it all happen. So thanks, guys. Wow, I feel like I've just been kind of... I've landed in a planet with really smart digital people who know stuff as opposed to where I usually am, um, which is talking to myself, who doesn't know much. So... Thank you so much for that panel. It really opened up kind of so many kind of moments of excitement for me and I hope it did for our audience and it has been given the Twitter feed that I've been following. So thanks very much, guys. Let's give them another round of applause.